Hi, my friends. Hi, guys. How is it going? I hope you are having a good week and you're having a good morning or whatever time of day it may be. Okay, how was your week? I took last week off. There was not an episode. I'm sorry. I also don't really know what you really expect. Like if, like I mean, I'm I'm probably putting out at least like two episodes a month now. But anyways, moving on. So I was in Montreal and it was absolutely beautiful. And I want to go back because I don't think I spent enough. T- I, I don't think I did enough. And I'm saying that just because, like, again, I was with um, a group of friends for one of my best friends, Bachelorette. So it was kind of like it was very structured. And yeah, definitely going to go next time for a little bit longer. I'm hoping in the summer when it's not that cold. But I really liked it. And yeah, I am feeling really good this week. I feel like my body is just aligned with the movement that I'm doing and I'm just, I'm really thrilled. I know last episode with Tessa, you may have heard me mention going to an osteopath and it has helped me so, like it it has literally changed my life and I really am thinking of bringing Julie who is my osteopath on to just explain what it is because not many people know about it I literally did not know about it till I started going but yeah I did also take a little poll on Instagram because I kind of felt called on to this I just feel like so much has happened to me in the past little bit like but little bit I mean a year or so and I'm really thinking well I was really thinking of doing a solo episode and the feedback was yes so we're gonna do it I'm definitely going to do it and I think that will be my next episode so I did get some really great questions from you guys but if there is anything else you want me to cover shoot me a dm i would really love to just hear that from you because i'm gonna do it and i do feel a little awkward about it but you know we just get over those things and we're just gonna do anyways enough blabbing about what's going to happen i'm really excited about today's episode and i'm sitting down with two founders from a brand that i love because one, it's a food brand, and you know I love food and anything cooking related, um, absolutely love and adore. And two, it's like so cool. The brand is so cool um, for so many reasons, but for me, it was just like not understanding what the brand was and kind of having that what's going on factor made me love it even more. And I found out about them about two and a half years ago now um and this is when they were putting out vinegars and really cool different vinegars that you know with ingredient profiles that i haven't heard of before but yeah in such a small world so one of the founders who i actually am having on today's episode i've known him for a really long time um we lost touch but when i found out he was one of the founders i was like oh my gosh 
I cannot believe it. This is incredible. This is amazing. Anyways, I keep saying this brand, but I'm sitting down with two founders of Acid League today. You may have seen them on social or in your grocery store specifically. I know Whole Foods is carrying them and lots of other shops in, in Toronto specifically, but I feel like maybe elsewhere, of course, elsewhere as well. So I'm sitting down with Ray, who is the creative director and Cole. And yeah, so on today's episode, we are of course going to break down at the core, what is Acid League? What do they do? There's also two other founders that I that did not join us for this episode, but we're just gonna talk everything. Cole has a food science background, which I think is so cool. Um, so he talks a little about that, how he met the other co-founder, Alan, why he wanted to go into food science. Ray shares her entire thought process behind the brand and the visual identity and why it is so essential and important to the brand's story. So we definitely talk a little bit about the vinegars that they have, the wine proxies, which I don't want to call them wine proxies. They're just called proxies. So we talk about that. And if you aren't familiar, proxies are in a beautiful wine bottle. Um, incredibly designed and the flavor profile is so complex and they're kind of supposed to mimic wine but like not really um it's just a non-alcoholic drink for everyone to enjoy what i also found so cool i keep saying cool i'm sorry what i found so interesting about this company is that this is the first time for me personally in a very long time that i've seen a brand come to life with so many different humans it's not just one founder it's not just two founders it's like four and they're very big on collaboration their entire team gets to be involved in the process and it's just really awesome so i hope you guys enjoy this i hope it inspires you to kind of like just go for it i know that's like so weird and you're like wait what is that what we're getting from this episode but for me it really was their minds are so interesting. So yeah, again, I'm probably not even gonna make sense of any of this, but <laughs> I'm gonna stop talking. Um, I hope you guys enjoy this episode and I really hope that I get to see you soon. Before we get into today's episode, we have a quick message from our sponsors over at Acid League. Acid League is an acid-driven food and drinks company with experimentation at its core. Founded by an interdisciplinary team of food scientists and entrepreneurs, Acid League strives to bring culinary creativity to the curious home cook, merging gastronomy with gut health and refusing to compromise flavor or function. Enjoy the flavor trip with their living vinegars, innovative condiments, and wine proxies, a new take on non-alcoholic wine and the ideal wake night dinner drink when you just want something special but don't need the alcohol. For a limited time only, get 15% off your first order at acidleague.com with code LEMON15. Now to our episode. Hello. We are doing spectacular. The sun is shining on all of our faces right now. <laughs> and Cole's in a button up. We love it. <laughs> um, okay, so I want to just take a little moment for both of you to introduce yourselves and just a little bit about what you do for Acid League separately. So whoever wants to go first. Miss Drake, please take it. Away. Okay. 
Uh, hello, I'm Ray. I am the creative director and co-founder of Acid League. Uh, my, <laughs> my contributions to our company is basically anything creative. So we started with just a team of me. Um, we now have two other creatives on our team, but uh, in the early days, which was basically a year ago, it was doing everything from packaging to web to photography, teaching myself how to shoot with like lighting over one summer right before we launched social ads, everything. Honestly, we do it all in-house. It's a very small, lean team right now. So I have my hands in pretty much every project. Amazing. Cole, what about you? Cole here, <laughs> sales officer for Acid League. I and myself with my other co-founder, Alan Mai, co-developed a fermentation technology that allowed us to start Acid League and what it is today by uh, taking pretty much any substrate you can think of and fermenting that into a vinegar product. We soon realized that I can only pretty much take a product to a seven out of 10 and Alan can take to a 12 out of 10. And I have since gravitated towards the sales world and have now brought acidly products into over 3000 stores across the United States and Canada. In how long has it been? Um, about a year and four months. That's crazy. That's so wild. And Alan is not joining us today, but what is just a little bit briefly, what does he do? Totally. There's two other co-founders that are not on this call right now. Alan, CPO, Chief Product Officer. He manages the entire product development and manufacturing team and is the brains behind all the products that you see on the market and has been a tremendous mentor for Devin, who is our chief beverage director, and he has brought the proxies to the world, which I'm sure we're going to focus on a little bit later. And then our, our leader, our white knight, Scott Friedman, CEO of the company, and he has brought all ideas and imagineers and pretty much just been an inspiration for us all to lead us to where we are right now. So how many founders are there? Uh, the four of us. There's four of you, which is so interesting to hear and see just because I feel like it's such a collaborative environment and you don't see that a lot. I feel like a lot of companies that have been starting out in the past five years, from for me personally, it's kind of like one person like leading the ship. And it's great that you kind of have a whole group and an ecosystem that everyone works on their own thing and it kind of just like comes together. But what what is Acid League? Let's talk about that. I'd love to hear Ray's <laughs> uh, definition of it, see if we're aligned after all these years. <laughs> oh my God. I remember sitting down last summer trying to do uh, basically a brand exercise with the team. You should never crowdsource. <laughs> Take that away for yourself. It, we started out as a vinegar company and that quickly, quickly became outdated because we expanded into so many other uh, different products and experiments. We're a food and beverage company, but I think we're also a design company. We make incredible variety of things. I mean, Cole, you can speak more to the product side of, of this. It's funny. I think we've always kind of stumbled a little bit on how to define ourselves because that identity is changing so often. Like when you look at us three months ago and we were very different to where we are today. And there has been so much growth and change in this year that like we're, co we're constantly checking in and evolving that. And even with like the language we use internally, how big our team is, like it's a very living, we say living culture in our, in our magazine, but it is very much like 
down to the actual core and the culture of the company is that it is so evolving. But yeah, we're we're a food and beverage company that makes flavor tripping um, experiments in (laughs) wine proxies, vinegar, vinaigrettes, gut-friendly aisle foods, and, you know, anything you can think of. Cole, you can probably do a better job of me, but. I love that you use the word experiments, and we'll touch on that a little bit later, because so much of life is trial and error. And I really do think that's kind of embedded in, you know, how you operate, well, at least how you operated about like six months ago, which we will touch on how products are released and all of that. But how is it formed? How did you guys all come together? I think it's important to, before I sort of even explain that, something that's really unique is that although Ray did explain about the the wild ride that we've grown into, fundamentally that first meeting, uh, it actually was Scott and I that got introduced and he carved out a pathway of what Acid League was going to look like at that meeting at that coffee shop. And we are, and have manifested what that has evolved into through the business. So in so many ways, although like we have entered a tremendous amount of different product categories, we've released a magazine, we've now actually like grown our social platform as well. At the same time, we are still the same people that have created and have now just be able to extend the league, if you will, to have influence come from many different disciplines that have now compounded and added on to that to make it even grow even bigger. To answer your question originally, I was in a first year physics lab and I met Alan because he had mentioned that he had come from, he had a culinary school diploma. He had an economics degree from Queens and I had just come back from a year of traveling in Europe, which is actually where you and I met, Michelle. And I was like, let me just latch on to this person and never let him go. <laughs> he, was, he just amazed me in so many different ways. And I wanted to learn from him. And as we went through university, or my first year, I had created my own business that Alan had worked on. Alan had created his own business that I had done product development for him. And when we both graduated from our respective experiences at school. I worked in a design studio called the Future Food Studio and then left to go to Copenhagen shortly after. And Alan was in Spain working at an olive farm. And we had heard about Scott through one of my mentors at the time. And I came back from Copenhagen and Scott and I had coffee and he pretty much messaged me the next day and said, I've had this idea for a business. Like I've been waiting for the right person. I'm like 23 years old at the time thinking like, (laughs) okay, you know, like take everything that you want from me. Like I'm on board. And um, quickly I realized that it was going to be too tough a task for me to accomplish myself. And I called Alan. I said, there's this crazy guy that you gotta, you gotta meet his name's Scott. And the same sort of process happened. We pretty much mapped out what Acid League was going to grow into in that meeting. And Ray, I'll, I'll let you pick it up from there as sort of where you, you came into the, the loop. Yeah. So Sean, who's our CMO right now, uh, him and I go way back. It was actually with so many people on the team, we have so many small world stories. So going back 10 years, I have friends that worked at Idea Couture, which is a company that Scott co-founded. 
And that's where Sean worked as well. And so there's a lot of weaving over the last 10, 12 years of different individuals, even Nicole, who's our director of e-com, she worked there briefly. So there is a lot of crossover. Um, so I had been working with Sean in a freelance capacity uh, and he put me, he put Scott in touch with me to freelance on this. I'm, I have come from an agency background. I've worked um, in terms of like my design career in agencies my entire life until Acid League or freelancing. And I remember taking a call from Scott and I couldn't like this guy talked a mile a minute and had so many ideas and was so interesting. Uh, and he had me hooked and I was like, yes, like when, when can we meet? And we met shortly thereafter at midfield and he brought out this huge box of like mason jars and potions. And we basically just sat at midfield with our wines and our spoons. And we just went through and tasted all these things from his basement. I think they were still in the basement at that point, right, Cole? I don't know. I think they were all from his place at that one point. And then one of, and I had never really been a vinegar person before this. I like, you know, I had the basic red wine, white wine, rice vinegar, like in my cupboard, kind of just not rotting away because it's vinegar um, in the back of my pantry. And this sort of blew my mind. I was taken aback by the intensity of flavor, like the concentration, the variety, like we were having it by the spoonful and it didn't tire us out. And we just would sit around talking and discussing as if we were discussing wine, you know, like what's the mid palate, what's the back palate, how's it finishing? And so I went out shortly thereafter to University of Guelph to visit the actual like lab that we had set up at that time and walked in and there was this beautiful rainbow of mason jars. Cole and Alan had organized it from like light to dark and it was just visually beautiful as well. And so there's a lot of ideas bouncing around at that point, but essentially we, um, we had landed on around seven vinegars we were going to launch with. And so when I first came on board, I thought this was a you know, a seven product thing for this first year. I had no idea like where, where it was going to go like 12 months later. So I think it's important to, to illustrate as well. I'm sorry to cut you off, Michelle. Yeah. But you might think to yourself, okay, there's these three dudes that are starting a food company. Like, why are they reaching out to, you know, an extremely talented creative director? And I think that like, it's very critical to our business that we knew the product itself wasn't going to carry us to where we needed to go. We wanted to act like the companies, like, like Aesop, like a fashion brand. We wanted to have collections. We knew that this was going to extend well beyond just putting vinegar in a bottle. And to do that, you need somebody like Ray that's going to be able to bring that creativity, that imagination, that extra layer to, be, to move a brand well beyond what it embodies on a physical level. Okay. Like I cannot wait to talk to Ray about her process and how, you know, from the Mason jars, how it kind of got onto pen and paper to where it is now, but we're going to rewind just a little bit. Cole, let's talk about the food science background. You're 23. You were 23 when you entered first year. Why did you want to go into food science? What were you hoping to kind of like end up doing? Did you have any sort of like plan or you're kind of just like, I like food. I want to learn about it. I want to get to know it a little bit better. Like what, what was that like? So I don't know if either of you had this opportunity while you're in a grade 10 <laughs> class, but I took like the test of like, what are you going to be when you're older? You know? And every time I got like a brew maker or a baker, like a brewer, brewer or a, or a baker, I was like, okay, there's a signal here. I ended up doing a co-op at a bakery, shout out to Phipps bakery. And I found this YouTube video called Modernist Cuisine. And this guy, Nathan Morbold, basically took the chemistry and physics beyond 
behind cooking and manipulate it to create what now is known as modernist cuisine. And I was hooked right away. However, I was <laughs> not the most excited about school. So I sort of needed to take some time. And uh, while I was on my travels, I decided, you know, maybe post-secondary was a good idea. So I emailed my mom and I said, Ma, like, can you apply to school for me? You know, like <laughs> do all like the, the regular stuff. And uh, she applied to the food science program at Guelph. And um, I didn't really know where it was going to take me. What I knew is that I loved food. I'd worked in kitchens and I wanted to be able to see how I can incorporate a scientific background into my food experience and be able to understand it a little bit more intimately. But once you start your first business and once you understand like the sale and you sort of get hooked there. And I knew even through university that um, I was going to gravitate into a, maybe a more a career option that didn't go into product development or quality assurance or technical sales, which a lot of my contemporaries ended up doing. It's so interesting. I'm not 100% positive, but I'm pretty sure that Tanya from Rainbow did the same program. Yes, I know she definitely went to Guelph. Uh, and we yes. When you start out undergrad, like I did like a general arts degree, like with the focus of communications, like you never know or anticipate when you're, where you're going to end up. And like, now you have this company, which is still like what, like the experiment factor, like it's still science. One of the most incredible things about the food science program, it's almost like a college degree. It's so <laughs> application-based that for the past three years of being in this business, we have applied skills in food chemistry, food processing, food engineering that we learned in, in even something as simple as a mass balance equation. Like mm -hmm. that's, Alan and I like fundamentally built our vinegar fermentation technology off of mass balance equations and fermentation equations. So it's super applicable, which a lot of people have the fortune of being able to say four years after school, to be honest. No, that's so cool. Okay, right back to you. Tell me everything. Where was your mood board at when you first, like, how do you even tackle such a beast like this? Yeah, I mean, on my, if you look at my my folder from 2019 when we first got started there's probably like 50 iterations it we, we did a lot we explored a lot it started usually like just coming from agency background you have this like very templated approach which is like explore three creative territories um so i had initially started with that so just overall looking around at what was already in the space and trying to basically do the opposite so trying to not capitalize on anything that was already out there and trendy and trying to pave our own way in the beginning, I actually had gone down this much more science-driven science, science -driven route. And in the end, it felt a bit too sterile. Like we are, we're a flavor company and we're inviting people to discover via acidity, but in a food sense, not in a science sense. Like there's science that is our foundation, but we, at the end of the day, we taste delicious. And so some of the, those initial um, explorations had proven to be a little too cold and not as warm. We also wanted to lean more into art and design and pull references, not just from the food world, but from all over. So, I mean, early mood boards had, you know, whether you're referencing like streetwear, fashion, companies like that are lifestyle companies, like Cole mentioned ASAP, but that's not the only one. And looking at things outside of our own industry. So it was pulling just a lot of different references from everywhere. When we only had the first seven SKUs, we sort of landed on these different versions of these blurs, which in the copy on the original vinegar is, was about Vinegars blending into drinks, into dishes, into everything, and this sort of crossover of being able to use it in multiple applications. 
And the same thing, we didn't want to lean too heavy into this acid trip, you know, language and tropes, because I think that gets played up in a lot of different areas. So it's trying to find our own space and using some, some of that language to create something new. So the overlap of color, the really beautiful gradient, all of that kind of nods to this sort of like discovery and, and sensorial experience. At the same time, there is a couple nods from, for example, if you're looking at food spores or things that are fermenting or the circle also kind of references when Alec Cole had these big blue vats that he's he's building the vinegar in. So there was like diff- definitely like things on my mood board that kind of all tie together. Whether you can tell that from looking at the label, I don't think so. It's been abstracted, but those cues were all kind of pulled from talking with Alan and Cole, working with Sean and Scott um, and pulling references from everywhere. In terms of the typography, I knew, in knowing that the the lineup was going to expand, we wanted to create pick typography that was going to be a little bit more universal and allow us to grow. So in choosing like a sans serif and something that's a bit more systematic, we had been talking in the early days about, you know, creating this like vinegar archive or this like entire library where we could expand upon and create as many iterations as we want. I mean, in the early days, Cole and Alan had done like 500 experiments before we landed on this first seven that we launched. And so there was this, there was this like awareness of like how big this could get. And I think if we had leaned too much into a trendy typeface or something that wouldn't last, like how do how do we how would we future proof ourselves into growing into this brand? So the idea is to like scale back on the typography and make it a little bit more systematic and functional, and then let the artwork expand. Now we are, I think, just over a hundred SKUs since last year. I'm, I'm I have my tally here. So you, that intention in the beginning has definitely morphed, and I think. One thing I've learned to let go of in process is, you know, being so precious. We don't have we don't have agency timelines and three concepts for everything we do anymore. Sometimes I'll get ingredients from Cole and Allen, and like the the product has to go to print the next day. The proxies, for example, we our proxies team like they're ideating those flavors every month, and we're printing and packaging and distributing to like customers all within like a four week time frame. We're not coming up with like concepts for like the next color scheme. Like we kind of are for holiday right now, but like that turnaround time forces you just think quick and follow your instincts and follow your gut. So with each product line, there's different approaches to everything. We've got so like, we've got 10 plus product lines. So the, the vinegar, vinegars in the beginning, um, we had the most time to play because when we initially all came together, it was like, let's make this perfect. Let's make this beautiful. We had so much time to explore, but then we had the meeting with Whole Foods. And from that point on, it was like 200 miles per hour. So the first seven vinegars had the most brand building built into them, but I think everything since then has been a little mix of everything, but not quite as process driven in terms of the way that I've taught, been taught an agency. It's a lot more intuitive and a lot more instinctual and a lot more, I don't know, collaborative. Like we get the four experimental editions and I get cues from uh, Loretta, for example, who's our product developer. She's working on something for holiday. She's written amazing food notes and like why she was inspired by that product. And I bake, I bake that into like, whether it's a type I'm choosing or the color or how we're going to do the email. So it definitely is a team effort now more than it was in the early days when it was just me. Taking a quick break from that episode with a message from our sponsors. The holidays don't have to be boozy. With Acid League's Wine Proxies, the most interesting drink at the party might just be non-alcoholic. 
proxies are a whole new form of beverage, not the de-alcoholized wine, but layered blends of juices, teas, spices, bitters, and more with all the complexity of wine and none of the alcohol. Non-alcoholic wine is often one note and overly sweet, but by starting from the ground up to create a replacement that truly fits the wine occasion, proxies let you take a night off without taking a night off. For a limited time only, try proxies for 15% off at acidleague.com with the code lemon 15 now back to our episode i just can't believe that like within the first year of business there were so many skews and you'd have to you'd have to navigate around that like it's it's wild so when i said like how did you tackle the beast it's kind of like where was like how did you figure that out and i think you did an incredible job so kudos to you like it looks amazing and i think now every time a product kind of is released you you do follow <laughs> that same kind of like formula right yeah and there have there have been waves too so you know we have each each product line or each um experimental like they all sort of came out one after the other thankfully that also means that you can just push and push and push and you keep we keep doing versions and because we're small enough we can we have that amazing freedom to like put something out and it's sold out next week and then it's not really we don't have to worry about it having the same kind of brand consistency that a huge CPG company has. And it's allowed us to play and experiment visually as well. There's some things we've tried that we don't want to go back to and some things that we were, that were accidents that we're, we're focusing more on. Um, we're also circling back. So when we're doing re-ups on labels, we have the ability to tweak and make consistent because we've had this year of experimentation and playing with everything, all these different products. And I think the more that we have been releasing the, the tighter we get in a way. Like we have all these different labels, but if you look at them as a whole, they still work together. There's always that brand DNA that's always in all of them. Even if the logo or the type is like different, there's still like you recognize that it's Acid League. And so we've always had that in the beginning. But for example, with everything in Whole Foods, we are re-releasing some of our labels and tightening up some stuff that they're more co- consistent. But that's something I don't know that most people would notice, maybe just me. What's, but, what's, what's super <laughs> unique, Michelle, as well as, you know, you could argue that what we've been doing at Acid League, you're developing a muscle, a creative muscle, but you can extend that not only to the product development team, but you can actually extend that to creative as well, whether it be copy, whether it be visual design. And I've been tightening up my muscle as well in regards to like how I'm diversifying sales channels or being able to like to change the pitch. All of these things by creating an environment of urgency for yourself to be able to like innovate, 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 tones you, if you will, using like the same sort of language as like working out at a gym in the, in the same context. So you really are able to flex that arm a lot more readily and you're able to like transfer those components in all the different business units within the company. And I think that also allows you to feel comfortable with like new things and taking risks because you just, you have to be doing it. Minimum viable products. It was something that took a long time for all of us to get over Scott less so than like Ray Allen and myself, but like just put it out into the world and see how it does. Like, don't be so precious and just like, just put it out and, you know, iterate from there. Okay. That's an incredible piece of advice for anyone in any industry. If they want to work for themselves, if they work for a company, right there. So thank you, Cole. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So the first products to have launched were the seven vinegars, right? Correct. Yes. And why? So why were you, were, 
why were you guys leaning on to the vinegars and were proxies kind of like spoken about at the time or that came after like the idea even came after it's a good question let's let's go back to like the core of acid league so when i first sat down with scott he he went through this 45 minute pitch without even mentioning the word vinegar he had pointed to themes in the fermentation world he talked about kombucha he talked about natural wine craft beer movements towards better for you products at its foundation there had been no revolution in the vinegar aisle since balsamics had come over in like the mid 70s it was this stale category that in the shelf stable space that you pretty much are limited in options between red wine white wine apple cider malt vinegar and balsamic that was pretty much it why had nobody like brought a facelift to this category and then we started noticing that there is a traumatic shift towards people drinking unpasteurized apple cider vinegar for its functional health benefits. And then you sort of click and you sort of see like, wow, here's an emergence here. Here's a, a white space that nobody's taken care of, but also an emerging trend that's also not being fortified by anything else. And so fundamentally, all of Acid League products and our vinegars are made using unpasteurized, unfiltered vinegar with all the sort of acetic acid bacteria still in the product and why it's unique and why Alan and I took so long to be able to create, you know, Ray had alluded to 500 different products. Like truly, you know, we would walk through university of Guelph organic farm and find different fruits, different plants to juice and ferment. We just, just figured out what worked, what didn't, and basically tweaked the system that takes a product from an alcohol. And then you, add acetic acid bacteria and the acetic acid bacteria takes the alcohol and ferments that into vinegar. It's sort of a secondary fermentation process other than taking inoculating yeast traditionally if you're to make a wine or a beer and make they take the sugars from the substrate and then ferment that into alcohol and then secondary fermentation of the alcohol into acetic acid fermentation. So we thought to ourselves why is it just why is it just apple cider vinegar on the market that's unpasteurized? Like, why are these hippies only plugging their nose and drinking, you know, brag in the morning and having to like compromise on flavor? And so that's where like the core foundation was born. Why can't we bring flavor forward, gut, like gut friendly vinegars to the market and not just be limited to apple cider vinegar? So we started playing with things like our garden heat, which is a mixture of carrot, celery, jalapeno, and tomato vinegar. It's like this earthy, vegetal, kind of spicy vinegar that has never existed before. We have a strawberry rosé, which is you know a play on like a, in between a red and white wine vinegar, but then you also have some fresh strawberry juice to be able to add like a really nice bouquet for a summer salad. Meyer lemon honey, which is like by far our most well-received product. You know, instead of people using lemon juice, they can now have this and not have to compromise when mixing apple cider vinegar with like some soda water to drink that as well. It's sweet, sour, and still have these beneficial gut bacteria. But because of Alan and I's background, fundamentally, every product in the shelf-stable grocery aisle has to be preserved in some way. And most of the time, it's either through a synthetic preservation agent, sulfites, some additives. It's either heat-treated or an acid, citric or acetic acid. So this is where the idea of the league sort of expands. Well, 
what happens when you insert a core component of vinegar into a hot sauce, into a vinaigrette, into we're, we're bringing broth bombs to the market, like a, a soup concentrate. The, the, it's endless. Anything that you can really see that needs to be preserved in some ways could have that vinegar as a preservation agent. And so it became the backbone of our league. And we knew that we needed to establish legitimacy. So that's why we brought vinegars to the market first and sort of evolved since there, because we wanted to be able to set up a core component of our company and then see where we can expand beyond that. Yeah. Okay. I'm also thinking about how you mentioned Bragg's and I feel like now we also know that it's like best to just like mix it with water. But even I was taking shots of like ACV three or four years ago. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure I'm like burning my esophagus <laughs> on the way down. Like that was not, that couldn't have been good. But I have been incorporating the chaga coffee every single morning yes. with hot water and a shot. And like, it's so delicious. Yeah. And uncompromising. I mean, yeah. that's the idea, right? It's like, there is fundamentally no difference in what you would expect from the health benefits of apple cider vinegar than what we're providing in what Michelle's referring to as our living, our line of living tonics. So can we talk a little bit about how it was launching in Whole Foods so early on? So like any good sales people <laughs> do, uh, there's something I learned very early on called assuming the sale. And um, Ray had beautifully designed a conceptual deck of what Acid League, what it was and what it will become, if you will. Ray, I'm not sure if you remember yeah. it. Michelle, we did like a hundred page deck where I basically- hundred? We I will have to go look at it, but I, I got this list from Scott, which had this whole hierarchy and infrastructure of all these products he was envisioning with the team. And he's like, we need renders by Monday. <laughs> And it was like, oh my God, I don't even know how many renders it was or mock-ups. And that was like, we didn't even have flat label artwork yet. And we, we pulled it together. We ended up doing what, like more of like one of each category, doing a couple of different family mock-ups, but we kind of did the, the groundwork for where we are today, like in that, or in like October, two, two years ago. So the master of sales himself, you know, messages a Whole Foods buyer and uh, he's like, this is from his house in Dundas, Ontario. Like, hey, I'm going to be in Austin next week. You know, like, I would love to meet you and like talk about my brand, you know, Acid League. And like, you know, she's like, okay, you know, like, great. You know, sounds good. And uh, so Scott like flies down to Austin like the next, like a couple days later. I meet Scott at the airport with like 15 sample vials unlabeled like easily could have been like pulled over by customs and like, what are, like, what are these things, you know, like, well, they're vinegars, you know, like with like little, little acronyms on them, like apple cider maple or uh, Meyer lemon honey on it. Or, and uh, he goes down and sells them pretty much on the spot, does like a vinegar tasting, which Alan and I sort of coined early on because what we were creating is unlike anything you've ever had really from a vinegar perspective. It wasn't something that was super punching. You're like cringing on it going down. And so a mixture of Ray's like unbelievable vision of what acidly could become and Scott's excellent sales work and Alan and I's product together, we were able to basically sell what the vision of acid league would become. And they were looking for innovation. They were looking for ways to revolutionize center store because 
customers tend to only really gravitate towards the perimeters, like the cold set, you know, where the produce is. And they're always looking for something. And what we were able to do is figure out how to be able to bring people back to center of store. What did that feel like? Yeah, I was October 19th. Carmack <laughs> 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 Grocery Innovations Canada and Scott calls Alan and I, he's like, are you guys sitting down? And he's like, <laughs> like, okay. He's like, yeah, um, I hope this is going to take us nationally, nationwide, you know, 500 stores <laughs> in August of next year. So get your shit together, guys. And we're <laughs> let's figure out how to do this. <laughs> it was amazing. It was a really cool feeling. That's like so many founders like that's just like a dream right whole like whole foods and you're in every single whole foods like what it's incredible incredible so i want to talk about a product that has taken over my tiktok algorithm (laughs) (laughs) um let's talk about the proxies and there's just so much to kind of get into first of all the packaging ray I feel like it actually feels like I'm drinking a natural wine that, you know, everyone's obsessed with mm-hmm. and everyone's out there buying. And it's what's so amazing about it. It's for people who don't drink alcohol. It's like, it doesn't make you feel like you're not drinking alcohol because the experience is there. That whole experience is there. But where did you guys kind of come want to do this like why not alcohol like why not a real wine as opposed to a non-alcoholic beverage and how was that whole process like and I definitely also want to tap into the I think during the pandemic I remember the proxies were selling out like crazy like you could not get one so (laughs) what was like let's just talk all about them and how that's going and how it started so early on, we, we played around with this idea called Posca. I mean, no, uh, no relation to proxy in the context of like why we created proxy. Mm-hmm. Posca was this ancient Roman energy drink, and it was basically used to fuel the Roman army because you couldn't drink water back then. It was a mixture of red wine vinegar, honey, and herbs and spices. And... It was just a fun exercise to explore, like what would a vinegar-based beverage be like? Um, We soon dabbled into shrub, which is actually what originally, I think, sold Ray. Scott had made this this coffee balsamic shrub that you could mix with carbonated water. And it was like this sweet, sour, caffeinated beverage. So good. So good. Very similar to the coffee Mm -hmm. chaga maple living donut. I would love that. My other favorite product. And, um, you know, what was sold me was like this preserve, like fundamentally, as we mentioned, vinegar is a preservation agent. And what if you took Niagara peaches peak summer and preserved them with like, like, like sugar and vinegar. And you have this like unbelievable, like the peachiest peach you could ever have, but it's in December and it's in it's like liquid form. And so Vinegar is this beautiful functional ingredient that you can apply in multiple different ways. And so how that goes and applies to the proxies was we noticed there is a tremendous trend of people gravitating towards a non-alcoholic option in a more fine dining restaurant setting. Consider Noma, for example. No more do you have to go to Noma and have a wine pairing, but instead you have like a seasonal juice 
kombucha, lacto-fermented, you know, beverages as well. Why can't you scale that? Why hasn't been able to be able to bring that to the, to the masses? And nobody really had done it. There is a big movement in non-alcoholic beer. And then every week you find a non-alcoholic spirits company. But nobody had nailed the wine world. And coincidentally, as the universe is the way that it is, one of Alan's uh, closest and oldest friends, Devin, had been working with us in our original production for Whole Foods launch. Devin had traveled the world for the past five years prior to that, being a winemaker. And so all of a sudden we had this vinegar fermentation technology. We had a winemaker and we thought to ourselves, you know what, Devin? Why don't you just create this, this, this product for us? Let's come up with the world's first non-alcoholic wine club. And the idea was sort of born with that. Devin pretty much had, I think we gave him the project in September and he had four months to figure out a system to be able to create every month, three new products that would be- You gave him four months to figure this out. This is very Acid League-esque, you know? I, very long time in Acid League. I, you know, I've told Ray from the very beginning, like literally day one, don't worry, Ray, it's, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. Like it's never gotten better. <laughs> it's, it's that arm that I'm talking about. It's, it really forces people to just get over it. Um, you know, we are at having a big ask, but we also have the resources to be able to supply these people with the, the I don't want to use resources again. I, I think that we create an environment to create success through our experience and also the resources that we're able to pull on. You know, we wouldn't have asked some random person to do this, but Devin had experience moving liquid around. He understood the components of being able to <laughs> how, how that system worked. And um, I'll let sort of Ray take it from there as far as the, the initial reception and how, what the idea for the wine club was gonna be. So my background outside of design is in hospitality and wine. So I had actually worked at a natural wine bar in Australia and on the side, just like love wine, have like done, done my W set, was thinking about leaving design to go and work in wine full time. So this was a really exciting new product line for me. and. Yeah, we wanted it to like, I mean, so many people shop by just looking at the label. The label needed to be just as interesting as what was inside the bottle. The initial couple months that we had uh, launched these, we actually engaged like three different illustrators every month and gave them, I would put together a brief based on Devin's formula and his recipe and like where he was getting inspiration from and basically give the illustrators like carte blanche to make something. And so that was even crazier because we also were still working in this four week turnaround. So I would find an illustrator, I'd email them, see if they were available. I'd brief them and like give them like two to three days to send us something back. Um, and like we weren't making very many bottles at this time either. Like it wasn't like we were doing this on a huge scale and could like justify, you know, investing in artwork. It was purely for the experience for the customer and like making this bottle as beautiful and interesting, like inside and out. The wax was a natural natural thing for me. I gravitate towards all bottles with wax. They're hand, like, we're, these are handmade products, hand dipped, handcrafted. So like that is that, that is that way to communicate that these are not mass produced. We are literally making them with our hands and with love. And so we found a couple of different wax suppliers and landed on one. Thankfully. Yeah. Okay. So the last part is like top the part, top, yes. right? Yes. And how I love it. Okay. Um, and so the first couple months, we, yeah, we had these, we had different illustrators. So not only was it three unique flavors every month, it was three unique labels every month. 
So you can imagine that could have been its own company and its own, you know, <laughs> own design team on its own. A creative yeah, agency, yes. <laughs> Meanwhile, we're doing, you know, all the other things that we're doing on top of that. And then about a couple months ago, we were working on launching our um, retail lineup. So four of our flavors are now available in bottle shops across North America. You can get them in Toronto, although it's kind of hard. We actually had a photo shoot two weeks ago. We had to run around buying our own product costs because we ran out of some. So we kind of, we worked on standardizing our label template slightly. So we worked on creating our own proxies word mark. One of our like longtime collaborators is uh, Rena Mystery. So she and I have worked together in the past. She was one of our illustrators. She illustrated for a magazine. So we commissioned her to sort of take our brand font and make it handcrafted. So if you look closely at the proxies word mark, it does not look as crisp and clean. as just like a typeface. It's, it's hand rendered. And then, yeah, we wanted to incorporate the blur. We wanted to incorporate the incredible ingredients that Devin sources. Um, and yeah, slowly it evolved. I mean, if you look, the, the series right before where we are at today with proxies was a weird interjection. But every month, like the first six months were all different approaches. We've landed on something now where the only thing we have to worry about changing every month is the color. It helps with the turnaround time. But it's still very fun to like hear from Devin what Devin and Yash, sorry, what they're dreaming up for the month. And that usually inspires the color theme or the cues or what we're going to be doing in terms of messaging for that month. So it's still a surprise until the last day, what we're going to do. So, <laughs> but yes, very inspired by that. Your audience wine. is probably thinking seriously, okay, like they've talked about the design they've talked about like the concept, like what is in the bottle? So like it's, <laughs> Yes, we should probably talk about When you that. understand wine, you understand that there's a structure to it. You know, whether or not you bring a product to like a, a base substrate, a juice, and you ferment that into an alcohol, there are things going on inside of that system. Chemicals are being broken down, you know, amino acids are being formed, whatever it may be that be able to create like the, def the, the de definitive factors of how you conceive wine. How do you deconstruct that though? So I'll give you an example. Tannins, something naturally found in wine and grape skins are brought to the front forefront, which is like when you have a red wine, you have that sort of like that astringency, that puckering feeling. Tannic acid can be derived without having to go through a, a fermentation process. You know, you can find that in green tea, but you can also find that in naturally derived product. So when you're constructing a product that is not wine and we call it wine, but not, it's these complex mixtures of extracts, bitters, teas, single origin of vegetables that be able to create the layers that you need to be able to form what would have otherwise been that foundation of wine, but without the alcohol. And so what's really neat is we can go well beyond the constraints that you would normally have if you were fermenting a a distilled product or a wine or a beer, because we are not constrained by having to bring something through that primary fermentation process. We're actually able to add in fresh ingredients that you're able to get that nose or that like uncooked, if you will, sensory experience as well. And so we had a product called Terre Sauvage, which was like a, an ode to Canada. We had Labrador tea, and spruce tips and green, like single origin green apples. And so I think that in a way you're sort of able to understand like how you can actually use terroir, if you will, the same way that you would in grape varietals, but also in, in a sense of like where it's actually derived from, where you're being influenced from as well. And that extends 
into three new products every month. Okay, but like I maybe this is a question for Devin, but how do you create such complex flavors and like so many of them? Like what I love about you guys, like as stressful as I know your job is because so many things are pumped out left, right and center, you have so much room for play and creativity, but it's like it's almost like going back to when you're a child and when you're a kid, anything's possible and you'll like mix anything together and create these. I don't know if when I was a kid, I had like really weird things that I was doing, but it's like, you guys do that at work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just kind of a dream job. Like how though? Like there's so, and I'm sure there's going to be more proxy flavors that are going to come out. Right. Oh yeah. I think we're still planning to do three every month for the next year. <laughs> When you're able to pull like from diversity, like something that we're extremely fortunate to have is a very diverse team. And you're not limited to what your perspective is. Devin doesn't work in a vacuum. You know, Devin has Yash, you know, he comes from India. Alan has a, like a team of product developers. Loretta's, her family's from Taiwan. Like you, you're not singularly focused on like what you know and what, and like everybody is hungry to learn more and more. I'm not saying that everybody has their direct influence on each skew every single time, sorry, each flavor every single time. However, natural curiosity within the team produces new contents in the context of like what Ray is doing with our flavors, with whatever visual content we're producing. Like it's all about being able to be keen to learn and educate yourself and all of that has funneled into what acid league has become right now i like i really do love it and i would just want to sit in one of your like boardroom sessions so badly <laughs> and be a fly on the wall um but i really do think at the core of it the whole like the way the company really operates it's like everyone's collaborating trial and error is important And you also do listen to the audience. And I feel like a lot of that did happen earlier on, like when you were kind of putting out the experiments and whatever worked kind of like stuck, right? Yep. And so how did you kind of, whose idea was it to to kind of like let, let the community decide? Yeah, the other side of it would be not just thinking about um, how we collaborate within our own team, but how we collaborate with chefs, photographers, recipe developers, street artists, who name it, anyone who identifies as a creative. I mean, I think we all have creativity inside of us. When people say, oh, I'm not creative, I don't think that's true. Your creativity just shows up in different ways. And we really want to tap into our larger community. And I think with the experimentals, yes, we got feedback from um, from our community on what they loved and what sold out fast. And that maybe made its way into a more permanent product. But in terms of even just like whether it's the illustrator we work with behind the scenes, recipe developers, you know, I think our sum is greater than its parts. Like we are definitely reliant and we've baked that into the culture is like working, working with the team and never thinking that our, our idea is our the most precious one and always being open to dropping it or letting it go and making room and making space for others as well. So in our, in our early manifesto, you know, it talked about being like lab trained and restaurant raised and, and being this mix of like strategists and scientists and chefs and beyond. And I think that that is like one of the biggest things that I think we're proud of is just how open and collaborative we are. Yeah. Our audience, really our audience and our community is, is really important to us as well. I mean, I think if I just may say this from coming from working in agency my whole life, 
finally being the being on this end of things and actually seeing real humans out there interacting with your product and loving it and it making an impact in their lives is like hands down the most rewarding feeling and definitely what gets me up in the morning. Like it makes all the stress like so worth it when you see someone posting about a vinaigrette and they love it. Like it's really, it's like a great feeling. So. It's the best. And I'm sure for you, when they like comment on loving the brand and the branding and all of that too. Yes. It's very nice, but it's more just th- that they love what we're doing and what we represent as a team. Like I I'm, I'm one person in a very big team now. I mean, it was a very small team 18 months ago, but yeah. you know, I don't take credit for everything on my own. I know Cole will kind of push back on that sometimes, but yeah. That's amazing. I, I love what you guys are doing. So I also want to talk about something really exciting that is happening in the new year with you guys. So new products down the pipeline. Do we want to touch on that and kind of share what direction you're heading in? Okay, give the... Give, give is this is it, am I allowed to share this Cole this is not, not, oh, not no. top secret we have I mean over 20 products going into Whole Foods in 2022 right Cole oh I was 21? thinking about okay I'll, I'll take care of uh Whole Foods okay, and take care to, of, uh, the other the other secret thing so <laughs> yeah right now we've got nine products nationally distributed across the country and we have another 12 launching in January and another four in March. So we will have over 27 products um, across all Whole Foods, which is super nice. Is Acidly getting their own section in the store? <laughs> so like we at Whole Foods Canada right now, we have uh, 13 products in the same set. And it is one of the coolest photographs you'll see. Like it, there's a concept called uh, shelf, like um, shelf blocking. And it's literally a masterpiece. It's it's like Ray's design across an eight foot set, and it's 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 really wonderful. So that's super exciting. But um, we have you know some other thing that uh, I thought Ray was going to allude to. So okay, sorry, I'll get there too. So in I mean, barring no more um, supply chain disruptions, we will be launching a line of seventeen brand new products uh, on our online store. So it's going to be exclusive to our website. We're internally calling it the Living Pantry Collection, and it's a collection of really thoughtful, curated pantry staples that have been elevated or remixed or just had the Acid League touch, which is basically taking something and then doing something weird with it. So I'm really, really excited. The, the overall line skews a little bit more elevated. The d- design direction as well is also a little bit more elevated and a little bit more um, sophisticated, but at the same time, it's incredibly approachable, incredibly easy to use. We did a photo shoot uh, last week and I got to bring home some of the samples and I cooked with, for my family and I was using like, we have a vegan and gluten-free mushroom starter. So I made this mushroom noodle dish um, and yeah, it was just so easy. I basically just threw that in with noodles and mushrooms and it was done and it was delicious. And so, uh, yeah, I'm very excited because this lineup we've been working on for forever. And in the beginning, we didn't really have a wrapper a for it all. Like there's a lot of different ideas happening. And I think in the end where we landed is this system that, you know, in the beginning of very first phone call with Scott about this vinegar archive or this vinegar system, we actually went back into my old files and my old mood boards and pulled stuff out of there and were able to use it in, in this line. So I'm excited that it's kind of come full circle. I love it. I think I'm most excited. Like, am I, did I hear wrong, Cole? Did you say something about flavor bombs? Yes. So broth bombs are, you know, <laughs> a product that's actually on the market right now or should be on the market given uh, 
again, we were talking about supply chain delays, but <laughs> yeah, so we, we came up with four new liquid soup concentrates. You know, so the same way that you approach the vinegar category, well, you look at soup right now and you have these like, for all the Canadians, you know, we have got 500 milliliter like Tetra Pak cartons of beef stock, vegetable stock and um, chicken stock. And there was no flavor differentiation. Everything sort of came in like the same convention. And we thought to ourselves, well, you know, people are now cooking from home a lot more. And, and although we would strongly encourage people to go to like their local Asian supermarket, ethnic food market to be able to collect the raw ingredients, not everybody has that type of accessibility. And so what if you come to the market with like a Shio ramen broth bomb with all the complexity that you would typically find in ramen, but it's instead in a liquid concentrate that you can either reconstitute with water or what I do is like use it as like a pan sauce. So, or a pho broth bomb, you know, like the same flavors that you would use if you were to like steep all, you know, fresh lemongrass and anise, but we have that all sealed in this beautifully packaged container. That also extends to mushroom broth bomb, which, you know, has shiitake, porcini mushrooms, like all of that umami, like beautiful flavor that you can use as like sort of a liquid seasoning. And so that's like the beauty of what we're able to do is like you're able to take influence from current categories and be able to sort of like, how do you do this a little bit different? And how do you use our technology and our knowledge of food science to be able to sort of exploit that? At the end of the day, though, I think like something I definitely think it's worth saying is like Ray and I, and I can speak for Alan and Scott, have only gotten to where we have gotten right now without, or would not have gotten here without the support that we've had from our team. Like it's, it cannot be overstated that our team puts like every ounce of their energy into building this dream of what we hope to accomplish. And I hope that we feel that they are empowered to be able to bring their own ideas to the table, whether it's somebody that's like in operations, that's able to, you know, shout out to Robert who's able to like take an idea and be able to make it a little bit more streamlined so that way I can talk sales can talk to ops to talk to manufacturing a little bit better to somebody that's like doing supply chain sourcing or somebody helping like Ray on their team. Like it should be play for us as founders, but it also should be play for everybody else on the team. And I certainly hope that we'd be able to create that environment for them. That's amazing. I have a really hard question for both of you. That may be the hardest question of all. What is your favorite product? <laughs> Do you want to go first? <laughs> yeah, sure. My favorite product is actually the ugly duckling of acidly that like nobody likes and it does really bad <laughs> in stores as well. <laughs> it, it was like the most awkward product. It's called fish and chip sauce. Okay, it's I use it all the time. I use it all the time. <laughs> it's just, it wasn't like the product concept in itself is amazing. Like the liquid inside of it is great, but like when you have a product called seaside fish and chip sauce, it doesn't really gravitate to a lot of people. And the product itself is actually our smoked malt vinegar seasoned with Cornish sea salt. And why this smoked malt vinegar has, I have a special place in my heart for it is one of the original products that we created. And what we did was we sourced two different types of malt. We sourced smoked malt and a Cara Munich, which is like more of a caramel. And when I tried it for the first time, it was like, how, how does anybody even have malt vinegar that's not this? It's sweet, it's smoky, it has tremendous depth of flavor. Right now, when you get malt vinegar on the market, it's white vinegar flavored with caramel. It's awful. And this is like truly authentic 
and amazing. And I wish there was like more of a cult following yeah, behind this. So. They'll keep making it for you though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fortunately I know how to make it myself. So that's, that's the best part. Ray, what about you? Okay, so the product I go through the most would be the, our like our Meyer lemon honey vinegar. It's just so versatile and you can use it on everything. I put it in drinks, I put it on like any dish. I finish soup with it. The chaga maple living tonic, again, like we mentioned that shrub that Scott had made. And so I think for me, that's the most, I guess, personal product. Cause that kind of ties me back to that very first meeting. And I think that it's just how it's evolved from that cardboard box and mason jar to where it is today. Had a really fun time working on those labels and, and bringing that into the world. And I'm a, I'm a beverage fanatic. Like I'm beverages all day long. So proxies and the living tonics. Um, yeah, I, I, right beside my desk right now, is just like a whole stack of cookbooks that are basically drink focused. I've got like good drinks and gazos and like, yeah, I love everything that ha- can be consumed. Honorable mention. This summer we, uh, came up with a better barbecue kit. And one of the products that uh, Daisy and Loretta developed was a maple harissa mustard. And it was fucking bomb. I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on this, but it was, was, (laughs) yeah, it was, it was tremendous. And um, it's just cool to see how far people can sort of stretch their imagination, be able to use concepts like something like mustard, but really, you know, upscale it and uh, give it to the mass as well. Okay. I'm obsessed. I love this. I love this, you guys. Okay. I think we've gone through everything today. And I want to thank you for both coming on because I'm not going to lie. Like when you, when you first hear of Acid League, the question was like, what is it? What do you guys do? And I feel like everything has been covered in this episode. And my hope is that listeners kind of get a better idea. And also I really, what I took away from this conversation is the importance of having a community, like a community that you work with. So all of you guys together, bringing your skill sets and just creating something incredible, you know? Yeah. Totally. Much appreciated. Thanks for having us on Michelle. This is so great. Oh my gosh. It's a long time coming. I feel like this, this should have happened a bit ago. So I'm really happy. For Michelle Simon, lemon water fans. I met her seven years ago. It's uh, it's pretty cool. I feel like we should have we should have like started out talking about that, but pretty cool. And also, Mich- Michelle, I went to high school with Tanya. I mean, I've met I've known Tanya since grade eight too. So there's like a lot of small world oh, here. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Well, cool. When you had mentioned at the beginning, like, uh, or Ray, was it you that mentioned like the coincidences of like people yeah. knowing each other? Like, hello, Cole and I. Yeah. 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 Seven years ago, who would have thought? Look at us now. We're like Paul Rudd. And <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Thank you, Lemon Water listeners, for a stick of Thank you, Lemon Water. All of this mumbo jumbo. You're hilarious.